podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Thanks for choosing this free Anfield Index podcast. If you'd prefer to listen to this or any of our other shows without adverts, then now's the time to check out Anfield Index Pro. With AI Pro, you can supercharge your entire listening experience. You'll not only get all of our podcasts without the ads, but you'll have them far faster with our quick publish feature available exclusively for subscribers. AI Pro also puts you in the heart of our sound studio with an option to listen to many of our shows live and interact with the podcasters in real time as the shows are recording. Upgrading couldn't be easier. AI Pro is available on all popular podcast platforms and we have our own apps for Apple and Android. Just head on over to AnfieldIndexPro.com and get started today. Hello and welcome to the Daily Red, your lunchtime catch-up on all things Liverpool FC on a Thursday on which we are ramping up towards Liverpool versus Arsenal at the Emirates on Sunday in what will be our toughest game of the season thus far. But that can wait for tomorrow and we can all sit nervously on Saturday and wait for Sunday uh, we will take a look at today's Liverpool news. And I suppose the biggest news is that Liverpool have agreed a multi-year global pr- partnership with Extreme Networks, which sees the global company become the club's official Wi-Fi solutions par- uh, partner. So Extreme Networks are a real company. That's the difference between this deal and something that Man City might do. They are based in San Jose, California. They class themselves as the industry's first cloud-driven, end-to-end enterprise networking company with solutions from the wireless and IoT edge to the data center. Uh, So, yeah, look, where's the extreme networks money, John? This should go some way towards funding Liverpool's pursuit of Jude Bellingham, which is obviously the main talking point among Liverpool fans at the moment. Will we? Won't we? Can we? Should we? And it's a tough one. I mean, look, he is an outstanding young player. There is no doubt about it. Jude Bellingham is fantastic. And he would fit very well in our team. I think he would actually fit even better in the 4-2-3-1 that we saw against Rangers than he would in the 4-3-3. I think if you play Jude as the 10 behind Darwin, the 9, with Mo and Diaz wide, that makes an awful lot of sense. And that's pretty exciting to think about. Uh, you sit Thiago and Fabinho behind them. You add some more midfield depth with someone like Moises Caicedo, uh, who can become a starter in the long run. And all of a sudden, you are off to the races. But the price is extremely prohibitive if it's in that £130 million range. For me, I just wouldn't pay that. I just wouldn't pay $130 million. I I don't think there's a midfielder in the world I'd pay that money for. Like, the best midfielder in the world is KDB. He is 31 years of age. You're not paying it for him. You're not going to pay it for the likes of Luka Modric. I wouldn't pay it for Chouameni, as great as he is. As much as I love Kamavinga, I wouldn't pay it for him. Pedri, Gavi, Noah, I don't think I'd go to 130 million for them. I think I'd max out at about 100 million on pretty much any midfielder. 
So if we could get Jude for, I don't know, 80 million and add-ons that rise to 100, then fair enough. But 130 million is an awful lot of money to commit to one player when we will need three midfielders and probably an attacker as well. It just doesn't seem like the best use of our resources. Now, a lot of people want to use this as an opportunity to take a pop at the owners, and I can understand it. But the bottom line is you have to look at the bigger picture. We will always have a finite amount of money to spend, regardless of whether the owners were to pump more money into the club or loosen the purse strings. We are never going to have city levels of backing. We're never going to have the wealth of a country behind us um, unless we're bought by a country. Unless the Chinese Sovereign Wealth Fund were to come and buy us, it's just not going to happen. Unless we were to borrow recklessly the way Todd Bowley has done, it's not going to happen. And it shouldn't happen. Does anyone want us to be owned by the Chinese government or another Middle East nation? I personally don't. Like, if the Iranian government decided to set up, you know, a sports branch and buy us, would anybody be overly happy by that? I certainly would not. And that is the type of thing that would drive, I think, me and a lot of people away from the club. Do I wish FSG were more willing to spend? Of course. Of course I do. But this idea that they're not good owners and that Jude Bellingham not being affordable to us is is absolutely fictional. They are good owners. They just are good owners. They're very conservative owners. They're risk-averse. But take a look at the other Premier League teams. Who would you actually want to be owned by from the other Premier League teams? Like, genuinely. Would you want to be owned by the Cronkies? No, absolutely not. I know they've spent a bunch of money in the last couple of years, but the reason they're doing that is because they're so desperate to get back into the top four. If Arsenal get top four this summer, there won't be another big spend. They're spending to get back into the top four. I would take Villa's ownership. I would. I would take Villa's ownership. I think they're really, really good owners. Wes Edens is super ambitious. He is the owner of the Milwaukee Bucks in the NBA. He has done incredibly good things there. He has been ambitious with Villa. He's made some bad decisions, like appointing Christian Perslow. But he is a very, very good owner, as is his partner, Nassif Sawiris. Now, the thing with him is he's Egypt's richest man. You could bet your life he would love to own the club that Mo Salah plays for. So I would take NSWE, Villa's ownership pairing. So, so that's one. Bournemouth are currently in the process of being sold. 
Matthew Benham is an excellent owner, but he doesn't have the finances to own a club like us. So that's Brentford out. The same goes for Tony Bloom at Brighton. Really good owners. Really, really good owners. But you, they wouldn't be suited to Liverpool. If you're frustrated with the lack of spending now, you'd be even more frustrated with them. Uh, Chelsea, I think Todd Bowley's a clown. Genuinely. I don't think he's got any idea what he's doing. Crystal Palace, I would take their ownership group. I think Steve Parrish is brilliant, but it's not him so much as the others who are involved. John Texter, and most importantly, David Blitzer and Josh Harris. They've got a portfolio of interests in the sporting sphere. Uh, Josh Harris, for example, owner of the New Jersey Net Devils, part owner of the uh, Philadelphia 76ers. David Blitzer has an even wider-ranging portfolio. The 76ers, the Devils, the Cleveland Guardians. If you're not up-to-date with your baseball, you'll remember them as the Cleveland Indians. Uh, Augsburg, Al Alcacorn in Spain, ADO Den Haag in the Netherlands, and Real Salt Lake in MLS. Those two know what they're doing. Um, John Texter is the third one. He owns uh, Botafogo in Brazil and RWD Mollenbeck in Belgium. So I would take that ownership group as well. They have the money. They have the ambition. They have the know-how and the drive. So that's two. Everton's ownership group, group is a clown show. Uh, Fulham's ownership group are just far too scattered for my liking um obviously it's the Khan family but their interests like they just don't seem to employ people tony khan son of shahid khan who is the primary owner tony khan works as the general manager of fulham he is uh, an executive with the jacksonville jaguars he runs aw the wrestling company and he does all three of those things as a full-time job. Like three full-time jobs, which means he cannot be fully committed to any one of them. So they just don't employ people and they don't really run Fulham all that well. I do like the Leeds ownership group, but Radrazani doesn't have the money. And I just I don't know that the 49er enterprises would be would be doing a great job they've been a little bit hit and miss with the 49ers i think that's fair to say so i would say no to them uh, i would say no to leicester's ownership because i don't think they have the money to run a club like us i don't want to be state-owned so don't want cities do you want the glazers no again don't want to be state-owned so don't want newcastle's owners Forest's owner is a head case. Marinicas is a head case. You don't want him. Uh, Southampton's owner, Sport Republic, they don't have the type of money to own a club like us. Does anyone want Daniel Levy and ENIC? Don't think so. Uh, anyone want Gold and Sullivan? Because Kratinsky doesn't have the money to run a club like us 
by himself and run it to the level that we would want. I mean, there's a reason he's aimed at West Ham. Now, he's a good owner from what I've seen at Sparta Prague, but even then, they've been a, a bit hit and miss under his watch. And then Wolves, who are owned by uh, Fosun International, massive Chinese conglomerate. Lots of money, but who is the owner? Like, who is the one person that's making decisions? Is it anyone that actually works at Fulham? Is it just Jeff Shee? Or is he just a front for this group? There's an off, There's also a lot of pressure from the Chinese government that Chinese money be spent in China and not outside of China. And there's quite harsh taxes being put in place and have been put in place, relaxed a little bit because of COVID, but they were being put in place before COVID to try and bring Chinese money back to China. Um, so would they be willing to spend enormous amounts of money? I'm not sure they would. Would Gu Guangzhang, who is the chairman of the company, of, of Fosun, would he be willing or would he have the know-how on how to run a football club and what a football club needs? I don't think so. So of the 20 ownership groups in the Premier League, I really, I really admire Matthew Benham and Tony Bloom. I think they're excellent. But the only two I would take over our current group are NSWE at Villa and the Palace group. That's it. Now, there has been some suggestion that Jim Radcliffe is looking to buy a Premier League club and he has been linked with moves for Chelsea and Manchester United and he is worth an extraordinary amount of money. 15 billion. But I just don't know if if he's a good football owner. He's a supporter of Manchester United. Would he be interested in buying us? Would he run us the right way? He owns Lausanne in Switzerland. Uh, to my knowledge, they haven't done much of anything under him. He owns Nice in France, and they haven't done a whole lot under him either. I mean, he managed to convince Christophe Galtier to walk away from Lille, having won the league there, and Galtier turned around and left a year later. That doesn't speak very highly of him been a little bit too chaotic since he took over there for my liking in terms of managerial turnover so I don't know that I'd want him either now I'm definitely open to suggestions on who could buy us but it has to make sense they have to have a track record in being the principal owner of major sporting enterprises making good decisions in that role and they have to have the financial backing to be able to spend more than FSG 
And, you know, like you see people that don't watch baseball and that pulling out graphs that show that since 2012, the Boston Red Sox have finished bottom of the AL East more than any other team. And that's fine. Now pull out the graph that shows how many World Series each team in the AL East has won in that time. I can save you the time of looking it up. The Red Sox won two, and nobody else won any. The Rays didn't win any. The Orioles didn't win any. The Blue Jays didn't win any. The Yankees haven't won any. The Red Sox won two. And under their watch, they've won four. And baseball is a very dynamically shifting sport where teams go worst to first and first to worst all the time. All the time. Teams go from being an absolute dumpster fire to World Series champions in three to four years if they draft really well develop young players, make some clever trades, get a couple of good key free agents in. Teams can improve exponentially. Look at the Houston Astros. Go and look at the history of the Houston Astros when they were in the National League and then moved to the American League. And look at how bad they were for the first couple of years. Now look at how good they've been for the last five years. Look at the Kansas City Royals before they won the World Series. Look how bad they were for a few years. Look at the Tampa Bay Rays for years and years and years. But look how quickly they're able to turn bad into good. Same thing will go for the Red Sox. These things happen in cycles in baseball. You're down for a few years. You reload through the draft. You develop some young players, make a couple of trades, and you go big in free agency in one summer. And all of a sudden, you've got a potential World Series winning team. That's what the sport is. Unless you're the Dodgers or the Yankees and can just routinely spend hundreds and hundreds of million on payroll because your gate receipts are so big. But... The Red Sox don't make nearly as much money as those clubs. The Red Sox print money. Don't get me wrong. They print money, but not to the level of the Yankees or the the Dodgers. And American sports is just like this. Because there's no relegation, teams can afford to, to tank, go bad for a couple of years, completely reboot, trade away their better players, get a load of draft picks and young players back. And all of a sudden turn things around. Like, look at the Lakers. Look how tragically bad the Lakers were for years. And then all of a sudden, they get LeBron James in free agency. They add Anthony Davis in a trade for the young players that they drafted. They get a bunch of other cheap free agents around them and they win a title. Look at the Golden State Warriors through their entire the entire 80s and 90s, bar the run TMC years and that one year with Chris Webber, they were a train wreck. But they hit on Steph Curry, they hit on Clay Thompson, they hit on Draymond Green. All of a sudden, they win a title. Then they get Kevin Durant as a free agent. They win two more. 
Milwaukee Bucks. They've been garbage since Kareem left and went to LA in the 70s. But they draft Giannis. They get Chris Middleton in a trade. They get Brooke Lopez as a free agent. They make a massive trade then for Drew Holiday. Bring him in, win a title. Denver Nuggets were garbage for years. They draft really well for four or five years. Title contender. The Clippers have been a laughing stock for the entire history of the franchise. But in one summer, they get Kawhi Leonard and Paul George. And everybody wants to play for them now because they want to play with those two. They've been unlucky with injuries, but they went from garbage. Well, to be fair, they've been good for a few years with the Lob City team of Chris Paul and Blake Griffin. And if you don't like American sports, it's all very boring for you. But I'm just trying to explain people using the Red Sox as an example of FSG being bad owners are really clutching at straws they don't understand. They've reached for straws and instead they've grabbed something else. And now they're trying to slurp their Coke or milkshake or whatever it is through a cigarette. That's what they're doing. Because they don't understand those sports and they don't understand the dynamics of them. And if Liverpool don't sign Jude Bellingham, it's not a death knell for FSG. Because we could go take that money for Jude Bellingham and sign... Moises Caicedo and let's say Enzo Fernandez. You could I think you'd get both of them for 130 million. And I think we'd be a much better team with both of them. I think I think Enzo's a better player than Jude. Now Jude in time might become a better player because he is two years younger. But right now I think Enzo's the better player. I think he suits what we do more as well. I think Caicedo is Ginny Wijnaldum turned up to 12. And I think if we got those two, we'd be better off. So not getting Jude isn't this, you know, this constitutional crisis that people want to make it out to be. It just isn't. Uh, Let's move around the main Liverpool websites. Uh, We'll follow for a lifetime and a day the Liverpool band who soundtracked the third kit launch. Uh, what What first ever Liverpool... Versus Rangers clash looked like in the stands. Uh, it was a 4-2-2, says Jürgen. It was a 4-2-3-1, really. Jota was playing in between Salah. And if you look at their average positions, Jota was playing behind Darwin. He just was. It was a, it was a 4-2-3-1. Uh, I've had chats with the gaffer, says Harvey Elliott. You'd hope so. They work together on a daily basis. Xabi uh, Alonso has been appointed manager of Bayer Leverkusen. Uh, if you haven't seen that, um, wish him well. It's a super, super talented group of players he's taking over. Like one of the more talented groups of players in Europe, in my view. There's a great team potentially there with, I would say, two really good additions. You could put together a team that could challenge for the Bundesliga, not win it because the gap between Bayern and everybody is massive. But you get a, a really good goalkeeper in there. I'm not a big fan of uh, Radecki. You get a really good goalkeeper in there. You go Frimpong, Kusonu, Tapsapa, and Hinkape as, as a back four. I think that's got the potential to be special. It's really young. Tapsapa, 23, is the oldest. 
Um, I like Palacios in midfield. I think he's a very talented player. Needs to find consistency. I think Alonso can help him. You get a partner for him. Maybe a more defensive, ball-winning, dynamic type of player. Like if you could find, I don't know, like a young, cheaper version of uh, Kante or even Ndidi and put him in, let Palacios pull the strings a bit more. Um, Florian Wirtz is a 10. Klozek and Musa Diaby as wide players. And Shake up front, that's a really good team. It's really young, really young. Shake is the only player I've listed there over 20, over 23, over 24. I think Palacios is 24. Shake is 27, I think. And he'd be the oldest in the team by three years. So it would be a team that you'd have to develop over a couple of years, but you could put something special together there. You've got a couple of players you can sell to raise some funds, but I mean, Bayern Everkusen should have more money to spend. Look who owns them. Um, you, want to, you want to talk about rich owners who don't put their hands in their pockets. Um, Virgil says that Calvin Phillips' time will come. Virgil's nonchalance and Darwin's passion. Five things fans spotted versus Rangers. So lots of good stuff on This Is Anfield, including a quiz to name the 43 players who have played more than 300 games or 300 or more games for Liverpool. Uh, This is obviously in celebration of James Milner uh, reaching 300 games for the club. And then we have liverpool.com, which has a whole bunch of transfer-related stuff. Uh, Liverpool have just found short and long-term midfield fix. No, they haven't. Uh, Liverpool and Barcelona battle for next killing Mbappe amid transfer race for £36 million midfielder. Uh, We'll read this in a sec. Liverpool could sign £16 million killing Mbappe replica who outshone Neymar. New Erling Haaland reacts to Liverpool transfer interest. This is uh, Schreldrup, the young Norwegian. Very much on board with getting him in. I think he is very, very talented. Uh, Jurgen Klopp and Pep and Linders handed a new dilemma as best playmaker returns. Um, okay. Who's the £16 million Mbappe then? Let's see. The suggestion here is to replace Bobby because Bobby's contract, as we know, is up in the summer and there has been no real movement um, on bringing him in. So it is Dean Suleimana. He will cost more than £16 million, uh, but I'm very much on board with the suggestion to sign him because he is, uh, he is absolutely outstanding. Um, media Digest piece then. Klopp loves Arsenal, man. Klopp spoke about Martin Odegaard. Um, again, this is Camaldine Suleimana. So why they've put it in media digest and written a piece, I don't know. PSG battle for £36 million midfielder. Uh, Marcelo Brozovic, we will not have any interest in signing him. Good and all as he is, he's not going to be an improvement for us. And uh, his age would rule him out anyway. 
Podcast-wise, there are two new podcasts. There is a Euro incision with Nina and Guy. And there is a, a new under pressure. It's a double bubble. The lads had a look at Brighton and Rangers. It is Dan Kennett, Phil Barter, Mr. Brundish and Young Rhodesy. And uh, make sure you give that a listen. That's it for me. Take care of yourselves. Bye-bye. We hope you enjoyed listening to this Anfield Index show. Please be sure to subscribe to our channel so future podcasts find their way to your device automatically. There's nothing quite like fan engagement, and we'd love to know what you think of anything discussed on this show. The best way to get in touch is over on our free Discord community, where both podcasters and listeners debate the hottest LFC topics 24-7. Sign up free now at anfieldindex.com forward slash discord. You won't regret it. You can also follow us on Twitter at Anfield Index and find us on Facebook by searching for Anfield Index. Oh, and before you go, we'd love it if you could leave us a five-star review on your favourite podcast app. It only takes a couple of seconds and it means the world to the people who create these free shows. Sports Social Podcast Network.